and welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, sponsored by AltStupidGaming.com. Save up to 30% on your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. Alex Guyvish, Furniture back again. So we got three things to talk about today. Uh, first thing was really unexpected. Uh, next two things, it's going to be how De- Next two things is going to be how Dave Yedeman saves his job, what needs to work out for him, and then what games the Giants need to win or can win in order to get in the playoffs. So let's talk about this. Um, so Jordan Ronan of ESPN made a stupid comment, and I'm going to go over that because I am a content creator, and I feel a little bit offended by it. But I'm going to talk about that right now. So coming off the like the loose end situation, you know, the final uh, stuff coming out, the final stuff coming out about the Mark Colombo thing, you know, pretty much beat reporters were still talking about it days after the incident happened, and a lot of people were like, well, why are they still talking about this? So uh, he basically you know, pretty much put what Joe Judge said, you know, it's the best interest of our team. Then uh, this guy named G-Men Prod, or Productions, I should say, said, why are we still talking about this? And the guy, Hank, and I really don't want to mention people here, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm not going to be like the news and like censor one half and then totally on the other half. I'll just explain all of it. No. So he goes, because sports media has become an absolute joke and it's time to move on. So G-Men Productions said, sports media is just like the regular media, there to cause problems and panic. I get all my info from Giants content creators on Twitter and Instagram. Now, mind you, this is one of the comments on Jordan Ronan's tweet, but also to note that he didn't tag him in it. G-Men Productions did not tag Jordan Ronan and say, oh, uh, you know, uh, sports media is a joke, blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't tag him. Yes, it's on his post, but let's be honest. For everybody that gets engagement, do you look at all your comments? I don't. Well, I mean, I look at them, but, you know, I don't like every one of them. Some of them I ignore uh, the ones that are like trolls and shit. But I do acknowledge a lot of people. So, uh, he goes, LOL, you mean you get your info from the people who steal the information and profit and benefit from our hard work. Cool. You feel proud of yourself, Jordan Ronan? Really feel proud of yourself? Let me ask you a question, Jordan. How did you get to where you were? Let me ask you that. Because I certainly know you're not a content creator on YouTube. Were you a beat reporter for possibly a site that's not even known? Did you write for something in college? Let's ask that. Because I'm pretty sure... You weren't rich enough or had connections enough to go ahead right out of college and write for ESPN. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it works in the real world, bud. Unbelievable. This, and I mentioned a lot of people this morning, this is absolutely an insult to every Giants content creator and any content creator that has ever walked the planet. My opinion. At least when it comes to football or any sports. Because Jordan Ronan feels that we're benefiting off of what he produces. Sure, people don't always uh, mark credit for some of the news that comes out. But you pretty much just said all the content, it's all you guys. It's okay. That's why all of the, uh, that's why most of the fan base has been going to Talking Giants. That's why they've been going to the Entertainer, 
who I was on with last night with Pizzle. It was really funny. You know, it was a really fun show. But back to my point. They're going to Bad Dog. They're going to Mike Too Nice. They're going to Fireside Giants. Because they're tired of all this bullshit. And I'm not just talking about you, Jordan. I'm talking about uh, the fact that in our industry, in our world, people are paid to do paid takes, number one. And they don't have real knowledge and they're not paid to put real knowledge on the table. It's a sad thing. Because there's a lot of talented people on the YouTube spectrum that go out and do analytics and film sessions and uh, break the news, actually have sources. You see them on ESPN? No. Because ESPN would not be where it is if you had people making sense. Now, I get it. Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Max Kellerman. They all get paid for takes. You're at ESPN, Jordan. You're at ESPN. But you're going to go off an ego that you work as a beat writer for one of the biggest companies in the world. And you got your 30 seconds of fame a couple of times on the Michael K Show and Humpty, Canny, and Dave Rothenberg. You got something to explain yourself? Now, he did actually uh, say that, oh, you know, he pretty much uh, backed down from his statement. He goes, oh, sometimes they just don't credit us, but I enjoy the film sessions and everything. Really? You're just trying to save your ass right now. And don't worry, guys. None of them sportscasters are going to talk about Jordan's comment. For anyone who's a content creator and for anyone that listens to content creators like myself, and I'm a rookie. I've been at this eight months. Eight months on uh, the 19th. How do you feel about this? You guys need to let me know. Because I'm going to really explain my journey here, guys. And I don't mean to bore you. I'm going to tell you how I got here. So. I'm in junior year. And I'm 17 years old. And I'm a senior in high school right now. So I'm just going to pretty much lay that out. So. Um. I was thinking about college a little bit in my freshman year in my old school in Pennsylvania. I didn't really have much thought to it. Why? Because there were no schools around that pretty much had anything I was interested in. It's all local. And, you know, uh, Temple and Penn State, those were long shots. I go into my sophomore year in my new school. Started thinking about it a little more. Then I made the decision at some point in... Junior, I want to become a sports broadcaster. I want to be in sports communications. So, I started looking at schools. Now, I don't know which one I'm going to yet. Um, I pretty much have a definitive list. But I said, okay, I want to get in the sports industry. I'm not going to be a baseball player. I want to do my passion. I want to be passionate about what I do. So... I was looking at Syracuse and all that stuff. So my brother approached me one day. He goes, listen, there's this site by the name of AL East Report. And they're looking for writers. Would you and Sean be interested? I said, sure, I'll write for them. Um, I don't feel like ripping people on air. But I'm going to state it how I saw it when I was at AL East Report. They produced an article probably every one, every two weeks. 
It was about a week and a half after Kevin Pillar was signed, they put out my Kevin Pillar article. That's why I didn't go back. But, to sum it up, along the way, I worked for Empire Sports Media, or I should say I wrote for them, when the New York Guardians were still around. Uh, they were abolished, so, uh, for lack of better words, abolished, meaning like, you know, totally uh, broken down, whatever you want to call it. I'm sorry, I'm scrambling for words right here. So I didn't get a job there again, or say a writing opportunity. Uh, before that, I worked for NY Giants Rush. Pretty good group of guys. In my opinion, I wish I would have taken advantage more of that situation. I did write some good articles, though. Uh, found my way at All New York Sports. In the beginning, it was not so good. But when I stepped in, and when others stepped in, it should become a good thing in the next couple of uh, weeks, next couple of months, hopefully next couple of years. Sportscaster on your sports network, where we were on last Friday. And then you get to uh, last word on sports, which they don't get a lot of credit. You know, um, they're not Empire Sports Media, and you know they don't get traditionally a lot of views, but they're a good, hardworking site. And you know what the point is of this? Everybody who runs these sites that I know of, or at least most of them, have side jobs. Why do they have side jobs when they run a website? When they profit? It's because that doesn't pay them enough. They're not recognized enough. They're not ESPN. They're not that. But Jordan doesn't work a side job. He's a B-writer for the New York Giants at ESPN. Why would he need a side job? Why would he need another opportunity? Because he doesn't. He doesn't realize where and how he got to his point. Because if it wasn't for anything he did in high school, did in college to become a reporter, he wouldn't be where he was right now. I don't know where he went to school. I don't know where he, I don't know, graduated college. Personally, I don't care. But from my understanding, you don't just go to ESPN right out of college. You have to work your rank. I'm pretty sure he worked at NJ.com for a little bit. But let's not talk about how the beat media screwed up and said the Giants are picking one of three players. Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, or Isaiah Simmons. They didn't pick any of them. Last two years, according to other people, media leaks. That's how they got the reports. And, you know, for other people that wanted speculation, said, okay, who are the Giants picking? They told you those three candidates. And this is not just him, by the way. This is other beat media people. They told us, uh, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, or Isaiah Simmons. They picked Andrew Thomas fourth overall. You screwed up there. And I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I pretty much asked that question to Dan Duggan a couple of months ago. I said, you know, you guys were saying Becton, Wirfs, or Simmons. They picked Thomas. How'd you guys get that wrong? I don't know what he said. I forget what he said. Go check that out. I think that's like episode 12. So, back to my point. A lot of these guys, and I'm going to finish it off with this. A lot of these guys, Justin Pennick, Bobby Skinner, 
the entertainer. I'm not sucking anybody off. These are people that I've learned from. This is why I started this thing. The sideline statsman, uh, Brian Mansell, I think his name is. He's the one that got me to do this podcast. He said, listen, you know, pandemic, perfect time to start a podcast. Have people recognize and look at your ideas. He's a student at St. Francis University, part of uh, St. Francis TV. I think it's Terrier TV because that's what they're called. But nonetheless, you have to make your own stuff or be a part of something that's smaller in order to get bigger. That's what he doesn't realize. So he doubled down on his statement, as I mentioned earlier. He goes, I respect a lot of what they do because Mike Too Nice actually said, you know, this hurts a lot of people. This hurts the giant content creators. I respect a lot of what they do, especially from a graphic and film breakdown perspective. Lots of good ones out there. I was talking mostly from an information and a news perspective. Listen, look. Anyone who takes news from Jordan Run-On, Dan Duggan, Art Stapleton, Pat Trina, Tom Rock, anyone who takes that and says, oh, by my source, or by sources I know, or something like that, and takes credit for their news, that's shameful. That's clickbait reporting. That's clickbait whatever, okay? That's clickbait right there. It's a shame that some people, you know, would take their stuff. But don't go ahead and start accusing people of saying, you know, oh, Giants content creators, the one who make profit off of our hard work. Because last time I checked, you're at ESPN, and the content creators are stuck on YouTube. I don't think YouTube pays you much. I don't know. Because I have 46 subscribers. You need 1,000 to at least get monetized. And let me tell you something. I'm not going to start rumors. Because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go ahead and do that. But I'm pretty sure. If you guys remember Ron Effect. I was sort of a friend of his. I was fond of his stuff. I really liked his videos. I met him twice. I'm pretty sure he got a security job. Because YouTube wasn't paying him enough. That he actually had to go get a security job. He was a fine content creator. I really loved his videos. I really loved his rants. He was a nice guy. Unfortunately, he's not on social media no more. Nor the fact he's on YouTube. He's off the social media. He's off the YouTube. Unfortunately. And that's because people decided, apparently, to go after him. And bother him on his every video. And apparently, he took it offense. And social media is cancerous. But my point is, you're talking, oh, uh, they profit. Oh, really? They profit? How much they profit, Jordan? How much they profit so much that they're taken away from what you do? The Giants content creators, they go ahead, okay? They go ahead and say, you know, they reflect off your news. Everything else is pretty much an editorial. Because, you know, again, if it wasn't for you guys... They would have no news. They would no, have no topics unless it's the games themselves. I'll credit the beat media with that. They find out stuff that we couldn't find out. Nobody would tell us. But at the same time, they're not profiting off you, Jordan. They're not. And when I mean editorial to do everything else, you think this just comes easy? That we actually, you know, have these uh, things lined out for us? No, we have to create topics People have to do film sessions. We have to create topics and editorials in our podcast schedules and online 
for articles and say, okay, uh, does Dave Gettleman deserve to stay? This, that, and the other thing. So I don't know what your point is, Jordan. I don't believe your uh, your second statement about, oh, I respect him a lot. You obviously don't if you made that statement. Because the entertainer knows about it. Vincent Rapisardi knows about it. Pretty sure with the people I mentioned at first in my tweet, that that's how they found out. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and credit my ego because I am not. I don't have an ego like that. I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, credit fucking myself for something else. No. Giants content creators are not happy. I'm going to say that right now. Final thoughts? This has been, what, 15, 16 minutes of the first part of the podcast? And I really didn't want to spend time on this. Oh, it's a filler. You know, uh, it's just to fill the first couple minutes of the podcast. And I'm going to be honest with you. To end this, I'm going to have some context of my own. So, I put this in the All New York Sports main chat. Okay. And um, my boss, my friend, Max Edelman says, well, he's not wrong. They take from him. They really do. They don't credit him, but he kind of went on a rant there. I said, Max, that's a legitimate insult to myself. It's a legitimate insult to other people who content create. And I pretty much stated my argument. I said, I'm not going to sit here and rip you because that's a waste of my time. But you're not a content creator. As in, like, Giants content, but you were the head of a website. How would you feel if he responded to you with that comment? Because last time I checked, All New York Sports is not Empire Sports Media or ESPN. I'm sorry. You know, you guys can see say, oh, well, he's ripping his own site. I'm not. Because it's a part of a building process. But I just had to make him understand, that's not necessarily easy what we're doing. For all the shit that we take, you know, based on what we think and these Twitter GMs, it's not easy. It really isn't. You know? And compared to, you know, these beat writers, oh, Jordan Ronan, uh, Pat Train, all these guys, they get engagement. I'm going to talk about engagement right now to finally end it off because I know this has been long. They get engagement because they're reporters. For content creators like myself, I don't get a lot of engagement. Yeah, 730 followers on Twitter. Following more than that. Tweeting more than that. I don't get a lot of engagement. And this is no sorry uh, story I'm telling. I don't get a lot of engagement. I don't. I've done interviews. Dale Scott. uh, David Wilson. Paul Dettino. Everyone wants to rip on him. Paul Dettino. Oh, he's a cheerleader. Listen. Listen. It's better to have somebody, in my opinion, who cheerleads for your team and who appreciates the people that actually, you know, that are below him. Because, you know, I think they are below him, the content creators, in my opinion, because, you know, they're on YouTube and he's on WFAN and also Giants.com, which is a little higher. And I'm not faulting the YouTube creators. But again, let's recognize what we got here, fans. Should you guys start moving to podcasts? Should you guys start listening to Talking Giants, my podcast, Vincent Rapisardi? This is a moment in time you guys need to recognize this. That's my opinion. And I don't know if any other content creator will speak about this. I don't know if they will because, what's say Tuesday? I don't know if they'll speak about this. 
But I'm going to end it off there. He didn't appreciate it. Fine by us. Let's make the comparison like this. Because of a few, because of a few rotten apples, he decided to discredit all the Giants content creators. You should be ashamed of yourself, Jordan. You really should. All right. Enough of the bullshit and enough with the uh, the fake content creating and whatever he thinks. So let's actually get down to uh, real Giants topics and what we need to discuss. And enough with the whole bullshit. So what does Dave Gettleman need to do to save his job? Honestly, if you want my opinion, if the Giants win three plus games or they win three plus games, don't make the playoffs or they make the playoffs, I think he should say his general manager. You know, you guys can call me a Gettleman cheerleader, whatever. But it's this time in sports that, you know, all the, or some of the fans make narratives and then get lesser of something than they expected. They hype up and then they're disappointed, which doesn't really make sense to me. But that's another point in the problem. Um, I think we need to see Gettleman's plan through. Unless Judge disagrees with him on a lot of things. Because he seems to be, you know... Uh, I would say... More into personnel decisions than Pat Shermer or Ben McAdoo. Because we saw Ryan Connolly. You know, he was injured. And he got cut. Another thing with the B reporters. But... Here are a couple things I wrote down... Of what the Giants... Or what Dave Gettleman needs to do to save his job. So... Thomas needs to excel. Obviously, over the first seven games he was very horrible at the tackle position um first game was good second game was meh third game was meh fourth game wasn't even good um coach Deguglielmo needs to help him I finally know how to pronounce that coach Deguglielmo needs to help him and I saw a thing out of Ryan Dunleavy another reporter he said you know they're not going to be turning anything upside down they're going to pretty much be keeping it similar and maybe throwing in new stuff on occasion. So, obviously that's a positive. Because if Joe Judge was trying to implement that shit how many weeks ago when Colombo wasn't agreeing. Obviously, they're at some point in the game where the offensive linemen are getting you know better and performing better as well. And the O-line needs to respond. And now you guys can say, oh, uh, they gave up eight sacks over the last two games. Look at the sacks. I mean, Shane Lemieux... He's had his rookie struggles. I believe he gave up six pressures last game. He's going to have his growing pains. That's like obvious here, people. But coverage sacks. uh, One of them was a flea flicker that didn't work. Alfred Morris threw it back to Jones. He got sacked. So for people that just look at the stats, I don't know where you're getting at. Watch the film breakdowns. Watch Bobby Skinner. Watch uh, Nick Filato. They do some good film breakdowns. Brian Baldinger, he's another one. I'm very impressed with him. I like him. Uh, does a lot of complimenting with the Giants. You know, they're uh, rookie linemen too. Darnay Holmes needs to improve and McKinney needs to show something. Got the stats from uh, Pro Football Reference right here. This season, he's allowed a completion percentage of 75.7. He's played in nine games. He missed one against the Eagles. 28 completions allowed on 37 targets. 268 yards, 9.6 yards per completion, 7.2 per target, which isn't bad considering the fact that he's allowed, you know, a lot of completions. 95.3 passer rating and no touchdowns. 
The only rookie cornerback not to do that this year, which is very impressive, I must say. Xavier McKinney, as I said, he needs to show something. Because if you, you know, it's going to be a little hard for him to come back and, you know, play full snaps because I don't think that's going to happen. It'd be very, you know, dumb to thrum in there right away and say, okay, I'll play this many snaps. No. He's probably going to be getting, uh, I would say, limited this week. And then you start seeing, you know, more and more as you go. Because that's what they did with Julian Love last year. Regardless or not of how he played this season. Lemieux needs to improve. Obviously, he gave up six pressures the last game. I think he's given up one or two sacks this season. Um, Pass protection seems to be like the worst thing for him. But again, I'm holding my hope in. And, you know, just hoping that he improves with Daigle Yemo. Uh, Lemieux, he's been stout in run blocking. Obviously, if you guys listen to Pro Football Focus, they gave him a fucking 14 or 12 pass blocking grade, which, uh, again, if that was the case, Daniel Jones would be running for his life on every single pass blocking snap. Daniel Jones needs to help his team thrive in the next six games. Daniel Jones is going to get a major evaluation test in the next six games. This is a major part of Dave Gettleman. Major part of his tenure. Whether you guys agree, whether you guys disagree. Major part. He has four lost fumbles, seven total fumbles, nine interceptions. That's about 13 turnovers this year. Not more than Carson Wentz, though. Because he has, I believe, 24, if I'm not mistaken. Probably less than that, actually, because of, you know, fumbles, what, 14? So he probably didn't lose all of them. I don't know. But you don't lose every fumble you have unless you're Jameis Winston. And, again, next couple games, Garrett needs to implement, you know, more play calling of the run-pass option, the deep balls downfield like we saw in the Eagles game. And, you know, people are saying, oh, is Jason Garrett going to get fired? I don't think he is. But I think Joe Judge might make the decision at the end of the year, is he good for Daniel Jones? If Daniel Jones does succeed, though. Because if, you know, he can't get the best out of Daniel Jones, why would he get the best out of another quarterback? Doug Peterson gets fired from Philly. You see what he looks like. I mean, he might be head coaching material in, like, Houston. Or maybe the other side of New Jersey. But if he doesn't get a job, like Jason Garrett didn't, right then and there, you hire him. So that's going to be interesting. If you don't beat Cincinnati with Ryan Finley, the Giants are evidently finished. That's my opinion. You know, you could say, oh, uh, you know, they still got a couple more games, a couple more winnable games. Um, My opinion, you don't beat Ryan Finley this weekend, you're finished. You're not mathematically eliminated, but at the end, we're going to go over the schedule. Because the Giants have probably the second to third toughest. And that's big in a division where all of the teams suck. And I said this on the stream yesterday with Cop Hizzle. And Entertainer and this girl Nicole, just watch it. It's a funny segment. Actually, I said this actually on Sunday. It's not about what the division looks like. It's not about the teams that suck in that division. It's about the team that wins the division, goes in the playoffs, and represents that division. Because the Giants are a menace in the playoffs. Historically. 2007, we made it as a wild card team. We won the Super Bowl. Against an undefeated Patriots team. So. That's my point. Exactly. So. 
Um, and also Leonard Williams needs to keep producing. Because, you know, that trade is looking really good right now. How many quarterbacks hits? He's got the most pressures or is on track for the most pressures in his career. Uh, also tackles for a loss. He's got five sacks on the season. His highest in his career is seven. I think he'll get some more than fucking five, in my opinion. Because I think that we're facing a couple lines that are middle of the pack. Especially Cincinnati. I don't think their own line is anything to talk about. So a quick little, I would say, stat session. So I'm looking at the last two games. And this is obviously Daniel Jones, O-line implemented. And also, to note... Uh, with the running backs. So, look at the rushing game from the last two games. Giants had 151 against Philly. They also had 166 against Washington. Against Washington, they had 4.7 yards per carry. I think they had something similar against Philly. And you average those with Daniel Jones, that's about 158 and a half rushing yards per game. It's pretty good compared to the first part of the season where we couldn't do shit. Take Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, C.J. Board out of the equation. I say the wide receivers because of end arounds. Without Daniel Jones and all of them, 142 rushing yards against Washington, 5.2 yards per carry with running backs, 27 carries total, 87 rushing yards against Philly, 3.2 yards per carry, which is a little less and honestly, I would say uh, regression. But then again, we won the game. And I'm proud of it. Three touchdowns came rushing. So, 27 carries. And you look at that. That is about 114.5 rushing yards per game. Pretty good. The Giants have figured it out. And that alone, how to get the football moving without Saquon Barkley. We discussed this a little bit with Jordan uh, last week on All Your Sports Network. Talking about... How they've managed without Saquon. A lot of people like the idea of, you know, multiple running backs. A lot of people like the idea of Saquon coming back. We'll see how everything plays out. But again, how do you tell Wayne Goldman to take a back seat this year? I think they should keep him. Sign him to a minimum extension. And you have a solid number two running back. Because if Saquon, in my opinion, keeps getting injuries, you know, uh, can't produce something like that. Wayne Gallman's going to be there for you. When has Wayne Gallman failed? In my opinion. You guys can prove me wrong. You guys can say, oh, he failed in this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity. When? The Shermer regime didn't use him correctly. That's where his yards went down. Now we got a running game. Alfred Morris, out of all people, out of all running backs in the NFL that are free agents, we could have went and said... Hey, let's take uh, Javon Leak. Let's take Robert Martin. Let's take some guy off the street. Let's take, you know, a young running back. No, they didn't do that. They picked up Alfred Morris, put him on the practice squad, then elevated him. He's rushing the ball pretty good. I'm going to say that right now. Do they bring him back next year? Hopefully not, because it's a one-year thing. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to be featured in the offense with Saquon Barkley, because that would look really odd. Now let's look at the passing game. Last two games. So Daniel Jones, obviously, like at the first part of the season, the beginning of the season, honestly, he wasn't passing the ball well, or at that point, he wasn't passing it for many yards. Because you would 
you know, look at the stat sheet. And this is where it tells. Oh, my God. He's got 170 passing yards per game. He's got 200 passing yards per game. It's not really good, in my opinion. Especially when you have a, a good quarterback coach. When you don't have a running back. And, you know, at that point, when your running game was not figured out. And you have wide receivers dropping passes. You also have to factor in that as well. So let's take a look. Washington, the offensive line allowed five sacks. As they told you, do not just look at the statue and say, oh, uh, you know, uh, five sacks, offensive line. No. Because some of it was coverage sacks. Some of it was Dalen Jones' pocket awareness. Some of it was, uh, let's see, the fact that the flea flicker didn't work. 212 passing yards for Daniel Jones. And that game, he did throw, I believe, one touchdown. Take a look at the Philly game. 244 passing yards. Three sacks. My estimate? That's 228 passing yards per game. Which is a better improvement than we had in the first couple of games. This quarterback is improving. If his receivers can pick him up. If the offensive line can improve. If he could find a way to not do everything himself. And he could stop the turnovers. He could be the quarterback of this franchise. People hate to say that because they want to stick in their miserable life of, oh, let's get Trevor Lawrence, let's fire Dave Gettleman. Y'all want to stick in that life? Be miserable. I'm rooting for my team. Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in this division, my opinion. And the Giants are the best team in the division. So the last topic of the day, path the playoffs Giants need to win a minimum of three games in this upcoming six game span so let's take a look at the schedule and I have it printed out right here on a table from Google Docs Giants they're at Cincinnati week 12 13 in Seattle no fans but you're still going to the west coast but keep in mind Seattle has a Monday night game in Philly so they'll be going back as well in my opinion, at that particular advantage, I would give the Giants. In my opinion, at least. Because the Giants are coming off a bye. Actually, no, I wouldn't. Take all that back because they're not home. That was dumb thought by me. They're at Cincinnati. Week 13, they're in Seattle. Then they come home to verse Arizona. Then they come home, or stay home, I should say, to verse Cleveland. They go out back to Baltimore. And then week 17 is Dallas. Look at Philly. This week, versing a Monday night game against the Seahawks at home. Go out to Green Bay, freezing cold. Then they face New Orleans, a Drew Brees, most likely uh, Drew Brees-less New Orleans Saints. Then they go out to Arizona. Then they go out to Dallas. Then they come home to Washington. Dallas, the easiest. They verse Washington on Thanksgiving. Go out to Baltimore. Go out to Cincinnati. They verse the 49ers at home. They verse the Eagles at home. Then they go to the Giants. Washington. They're in Dallas for Thanksgiving. They're in Pittsburgh. They're at the 49ers. The first two games alone are tough, in my opinion. Steelers, they have no chance, in my opinion. So I'm going to mark that down as an L in a second. After the 49ers, they verse Seattle at home. That's not going to be easy. 
They have versus Carolina at home. In my opinion, not going to be easy either. Then they're away at Philly. Pretty tough schedule for three of the four teams. So let's take a look right now. My opinion, and I'm going to cross this out. I'm going to mark Dallas with the win against Washington. I don't want that to happen, to be honest with you. Kopizzle wants it to happen because he wants it all to come down to Week 17. So uh, I'm going to take Washington losing to Dallas. I'm going to take Seattle to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm taking the Giants to beat Cincinnati next week. I'm taking the Eagles to lose to Green Bay. I'm taking the Giants to lose to Seattle. I'm taking Dallas to lose in Baltimore. And I'm taking Washington to lose against Pittsburgh. Okay. Keep this in mind, guys. So at this point, the only teams getting wins this week, my predictions, are the New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys. They both have the same record at this point. So both of the record would be 4-7. and seven. So let me mark that down. Four and seven. Four and seven. At this point, the Eagles, I'm pretty sure, they would be three, seven, and one. Three, seven, and one. Washington, I'm pretty sure they had the win against Cincinnati. Yes, they did, because they're the ones that knocked Joe Burrow out. Lose against Pittsburgh. Lose against Dallas. So what are they now? They had three wins coming up to... Week number 13, three wins. So they're 3 and 10. 3 and 10. That might not be correct. Actually, it's 3 and 9. So, okay. It's 3 and 9. Move on to the next week. Arizona for the Giants. My opinion, they lose the game. Now, this is my predictions, everybody. So I could change this when I want to. Philly and New Orleans. My opinion, Philly's falling. That's my opinion. It's not going to be easy coming off of Green Bay. It's not going to be easy coming off Seattle. Okay, they lost the Browns last week. So they're going to continue that losing streak. I don't care who's a quarterback. Jameis or Taysom Hill. They're going to lose that game. That's my opinion. Dallas and Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, I would have said something else. It's Ryan Finley. Dallas wins that game. 49ers for Washington. It's an interesting matchup. You know, Alex Smith, Nick Mullins, to my estimate. I think the 49ers are going to win that one. West Coast. Three road games in a row for the Washington football team. Hmm. Think about that. Against Cleveland. You guys might think I'm an a-hole for this. I believe we'll win. Philly and Arizona, loss. 49ers against Dallas. Dallas is home. That's a win. Seattle against Washington. In Washington, loss. Week 16 against Baltimore. That's a loss. Philadelphia in Dallas. My opinion, that's a loss. Dallas wins. Versus Carolina at home, Washington. I think they lose. So at this point in the game, we're entering week 17. The Giants, at this point, have five wins, my opinion, five wins, and ten losses. 
Another double-digit loss season. Okay. Dallas, at this point in the season, they've already gained wins off Washington, Cincinnati, the 49ers, and Philly. So right now they're three and seven. Washington, four and seven, five and seven. Actually, no, that would be a miscalculation on my part. So they, up to this point, have won four out of the five games going into the New York Giants. So you take three and seven, you add four to it. That's seven wins, my opinion. You add one loss. They're seven and eight. Currently leading the division. Giants are in second place. Philly, they lost to Seattle. They lost to Green Bay. They lost to New Orleans. They lost to Arizona. They're losing to Dallas. At this point in the game, now I want to calculate correctly. That's five losses. Okay. There are three. Let's see. Three, 11, and one. My opinion, three, 11, and one. That's 15 games. Got to go with Washington here now. They lose to Dallas. They lose to Pittsburgh. They lose to the 49ers. They lose to Seattle. They lose to Carolina. Boom. They are out of playoff contention. My opinion. Yeah, I hear, you know, you hear the scribbles of the pen. Permanent marker, really, but who cares? So they're out of playoff contention at this point. They only have three wins. They will end the season at 3-13. Philadelphia have a five-game losing streak, six games going back to the Browns game, seven games going back to the Giants game. Okay? Boom. Out of playoff contention. Lose, uh, excuse me, win to Washington. They finish the season 4-11-1. Comes down to this. My opinion, the Giants win against Dallas at home. I think at that point... Joe Judge says, you know what? We got to compete here, guys. So the Giants finish 6-10. and 10. Dallas finishes 7-9. and nine. Dallas goes to the playoffs. Back to my point. The Giants need to win a minimum of three games and wish Dallas loses what I said in possibly another game. Because at this point going on in the season, they win four of the next six. So they need to lose against... Cincinnati, Washington, the 49ers, or even Philly. That's my prediction, at least. So, Cleveland, I think we could win, as I just mentioned and marked. Cincinnati, obviously, in my opinion. And Dallas. So you have three teams who you could also win against, but it's going to be very tough. Seattle, the weakest link, their defense. Arizona, the weakest link, their defense. Both those teams in the NFC West, they also have high-powered offenses, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Baltimore. Weakest link, my opinion, their offense. Why do I say that when Lamar Jackson? He's made mistake after mistake in the last couple weeks. They're on a two-game losing skid currently. Now, I don't know what their schedule looks like. Lost the Patriots, lost the Titans in overtime. If the Giants can stay competitive, like they did against the Bucs, like they did against so many other good teams, they can win that game. Set themselves up for a tiebreaker against Dallas. Possibly win the division. I'm telling you right now. If you guys are looking on YouTube, if you guys can see correctly, 
Those are my markings. I know it looks like I'm doing some sort of math quiz with like scrap paper. Those are my markings. That's my prediction, everybody. Right now, my prediction, Dallas could potentially win the division. If they get, let's see. If they get three losses, I think they're out of it. That's if the Giants win every game I said they could. But in order for Dallas to lose this division, they need a loss against Washington, Cincinnati, the 49ers, or Philly. Giants, in my opinion, they need to beat Seattle, Arizona, uh, Seattle, Arizona, or Baltimore. This is the closest it's been in so long. But we are here where we're actually going into December possibly if we win this weekend with meaningful football. True Giants fans will be so excited. And I am for it. First time since 2016. Yeah, you could say the record. But Joe Judge has improved this team steadily. Has gotten them to the point of competing against every team they played this season except for the 49ers. So why not push for it? Even if you're a one-and-done team, you get to show that your team is competing and that next year, with three new adjustments at corner, wide receiver, and linebacker, that you could be a very difficult playoff contender. That's the end of episode number 64 of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Thank you guys for supporting, as always. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Also, Overcast and CastBox. Cannot forget about those two. Follow our YouTube channel, or I should say subscribe to it. We have videos going out on there. Uh, I don't really go live on there anymore, but I may, because like sportscaster, sometimes the audio doesn't always you know, do well. Uh, follow our social media pages at Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue in the Bronx. Thank you guys so much. Friday, we're going to have a big show. I feel like this one was already bigger than expected. It's about 40-some-odd minutes long. It is definitely worth watching. Thank you, guys. See you on Friday.